Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lights, Camera, Action Movie Podcast. What's your name? Laura. Surname? Croft. On today's show, we'll be reviewing Tomb Raider. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lights, Camera, Action Movie Podcast. I am Mike Winkler. It's glad to be back, and uh, I hope you are all enjoying all of our podcasts. Um... We're hoping to get more subscribers, so keep uh, subscribing. So um, today I am here by myself, uh, without Jace Kabasik today, to review the new version, or the reboot, of Tomb Raider, starring Alicia Vikander. Okay, let me first by start by starting off that um, I was greatly excited for this movie. Um, I've been a Tomb Raider fan since I was little. Um... The original Tomb Raider came out in the 90s on the regular original PS1 PlayStation, and I probably was about six, seven, eight years old when those uh, those games came out. Um, I played them here and there. Uh, I enjoyed them. That also led me to start playing games like Indiana Jones, and then as I got older, getting into Uncharted. Um, but Tomb Raider really is where these adventurous games started. Um, the Angelina Jolie movies came out in the early 2000s, I didn't necessarily care for those a whole lot. Um, they were entertaining, of course. Um, I still enjoyed them for what they were, you know, dumb fun. But I felt like they didn't capture the game enough, that they went off kind of on their own thing. I mean, Angelina Jolie, she pulled off the look of those of that Lara Croft very well, and she played the part very well. I just didn't necessarily care for the plots of the movies. I thought the second one was a little bit better than the first, but it wasn't above and beyond better than the first movie. So, um, I really wasn't surprised that a third movie wasn't developed because they weren't great box office successes and they weren't that well received by fans or critics. So I'm not surprised by that. That that's number one. Number two, um, I remember years ago that, um, when I heard they were going to reboot the Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider video game series, and I thought, okay, how are they going to handle this? Is it going to feel like the original game, just with updated, updated next-gen graphics? You know, are they going to keep a lot of the things intact? But I was greatly surprised because the new Tomb Raider game made Lara more, uh, more down to earth, made her more of a realistic character. And we got to know her. We got to know her background more. We got to see her be vulnerable and, and scared and frightened. Not the strong, tough-nosed Lara Croft that we know from the previous games and Angelina Jolie's movies. So it was kind of nice to see Lara be more human in this game. Uh, th- this game, I-, I loved this game. You know, getting trapped on an island and being by yourself and having to navigate on your own to see what was going on on this island. I found that to be a great mystery. I found the story to be captivating, and the overall game experience to be fun. I mean, it, it was a fun game, but also had a great story going on that kept you intrigued till the very, very end. So, yeah, it's funny, because as I was playing this game, I kept thinking, you know, this would make a good movie. This is the kind of Tomb Raider movie that I wanted. I wanted something with, with suspense and mystery and a great story and something to keep you something to keep you guessing till the very end. And to see Laura more human, of course. That was that was big to me. Um, and then, you know, a few years later, uh, the sequel came out, um, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Now, what's funny about this is that when the first game came out, I had gotten it, but I really didn't play it 
until I got an Xbox One and played the remastered version. And I'm angry at myself because I really, really missed out on this game for, I think, a couple of years it was out before I actually got a chance to play it. So it sat on my Xbox 360 shelf, not getting played, until I rediscovered it on Xbox One and played it and really enjoyed it. So as soon as I finished Tomb Raider 1, Tomb Raider Rise of the Tomb Raider was already out. So I went out and bought it right away. I played through that game and beat it in less than a week and a half, less than two weeks, something like that. And the second game was just, wow. It, the second game blew my mind with the, with the scale and how much, and how much more in-depth um, the game was. And, and the story was even improved, which <laughs> the first story's game I already enjoyed, but the second game really went above and beyond and went bigger. So as I finished the second game, I was disappointed and was left wondering when the third game would come out. Well, as of this podcast now, the new game has been announced for September. So I'm really excited about that. But when I finally heard that this movie was was coming out, when they finally announced this film, I could not have been more excited. I kept thinking, thank God they're going to make a video game movie based on something that it should be made out of. I mean, we have a lot of video games today that would make great movies and they never get made you hear about how they're in development and even when they're greenlit but they go nowhere such as dead space i mean dead space is the one movie game that i really really want to see i think it would have genuine horror genuine suspense and has a great story and it just it's 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 frustrating to me because that movie or that game has not been made into a movie yet and i don't know if it's because they're waiting for um the right time to make it like like for visual effects or whatever it is i'm not sure i mean i think the special effects are there and whatnot but um uh disturbia director dj caruso was on board to direct that movie and we kept hearing about how the plot was going to be based upon the direct-to-video animated film uh, dead space downfall i was going to show you how it kind of all came together and then dead space 2 the movie would lead into what dead space 1 the video game was we kept hearing about how it was in development. It was going to be a great project, big. They were working on the script. And it ended up going nowhere. It ended up going nowhere. And 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 I'm very frustrated by this because that is the one game that I really want to see made into a movie beside Tomb Raider. Well, with Tomb Raider, I got my wish. And I, I was nervous because I was wondering how I was going to feel about this film because I know a lot of video game movies don't turn out well. They end up being disappointing. They don't follow the game like they should. And they end up being disappointing like a lot of video game movies are. So back in November of 2015, they hired uh, a Norwegian director that I'd never heard of. And I kept thinking, oh, now we're getting back to the territory of hiring a director we don't know. So we really can't compare a lot of his work to what he might do here. You know, that was one of the biggest problems with um, video game movies is they always hire these directors that don't have a lot of previous experience and that ends up showing when they make the movies because they don't do them right so when he announced when they announced him as director i didn't quite know how to feel about it but i thought okay you know i'm not going to judge it by its director let's just keep going on and on there were some interviews when they were casting laura that uh stacy ridley who was known for playing ray in the new star wars uh sequel trilogy was rumored to be playing the role at one point um she later claimed in an interview that it was a crazy rumor and nothing ever more really came about that. 
But then finally in April of 2016, Alicia Vikander was announced to be playing the new Lara Croft. Lara Croft. So that, to me, was kind of a step in the right direction for this project because they were hiring an Academy Award winner to play this part. Now, I know a lot of you are going to think, well, they did the same thing with Assassin's Creed with Michael Fassbender. I understand that. And I know a lot of us were disappointed by Assassin's Creed, uh, myself included. Um, I thought the movie was still good entertainment in a way, but there's a lot of things that it didn't do right with following the games. There's a lot of things that I myself would have done differently. Um, and even my, my friend and I, or my friend Jason and I, um, not Kabasic, but my other friend Jason Gorzay, he and I have talked about that and things we would have done differently with the Assassin's Creed movie that would have been a lot, a lot more or better received than, than it was. So I know you're going to be making that point that Fastbender was involved. And so what does Vic Ander have to do with it? It does have a lot to do with it because it gives you more hope going forward because you know, they're taking the project at least seriously. So that's really important. Um, and, and in December, they announced uh, Walter Goggins to play the villain, which I am a huge fan of his from Justified, playing Boyd Crowder. He played the villain role in that so well. So that made me very excited to hit, see him playing a villain in this role, and I'm happy to say that I enjoyed him in this movie as well. So that pretty much was your main cast. Everybody else was more side characters um, and, and, and more lesser-known actors. And, and stuff like that. I mean, we do have Daniel Wu playing Lou Ren, a ship's captain that helps Lara get to the island. You know him from uh, Into the Badlands. Um, Kristen Scott Thomas, you know, she's, she was around more so in the 90s and early 2000s, but she plays a smaller role as an associate at um, uh, Croft Companies. So um, everybody else is really a relatively small role, um, but that doesn't hurt the movie in any way. So, okay, so now that you've got kind of the backstory on this, let's uh, let's jump into... The actual movie here. So, the movie begins with Lara working out in a mixed martial arts club. Now, this movie starts out very differently from the video game, and I'm okay with that because the video game didn't provide much in the way of backstory um, in the game. We got little parts here and there about Lara and her father and, and, and stuff like that, but we didn't get a full backstory to know who she who she was at home. So this movie's first 25 minutes or so makes you get to know her background a little bit more and see the way she lives and how she keeps herself separate from her father's fortune. So, okay, so she's working as a bike messenger, delivering packages, going to uh, a Chinese restaurant or Indian restaurant at one time and picking up delivery food. And a couple people at the bike messenger place uh, want to start uh, do this competition which leads Lara to be a fox they have to chase her and try to grab the fox tail off her before anybody else whoever does wins and there's a paint trail that comes off her bike that they have to follow um, that's all going well for her and she's outsmarting all of them until she sees somebody on the street that rem- rem- uh, resembles her passed away father and she gets hit by a police car and gets in an accident and gets arrested She's later picked up um, at the police station by Kristen Scott Thomas's character, Anna Miller. And she's really wanting Lara to sign the papers for her inheritance to be transferred over to her because it's in danger of losing Croft Mansion and the company going into, you know, bank and other people's hands. And she doesn't want the father's estate to be sold off. So Lara does agree and 
uh, to sign the paperwork at the offices. And this is where a first piece of our puzzle is met to get her to the island, like in the game. She finds a, uh, she gets in possession of a puzzle that's given to her by the power of attorney. She solves it and finds a key that leads her to some clues that lead her back to the Croft family mausoleum. She opens this up with the key, and she ends up finding a pre-recorded message from her father on an old camcorder telling her to destroy all of his work on a mythical uh, mythical research that this, he's doing like Indiana Jones does with archaeology. It's called the Hamiko, who is a mythical queen of the uh, Yamati who is said to command the power over life and death. Okay, so up to that point, we are still following the game here because the game was about Himiko. So this right here is giving me a sense of feeling good about the movie going forward because the first 10 or 15 minutes of a lot of video game movies, the biggest mistake they make is diverting far away from the game storyline and they go and do their own thing. And, and I always feel like that that's the wrong approach. You know, when fans are going to see the movie based upon the game, they want to see the story in the game transposed over to the screen, not changed over. Yes, a lot of the filmmakers will tell you that they do this, so therefore they can make things feel different and not predictable. And, and that's okay to a degree, but you don't take the story and completely divert away from it and make it into something else, because nine times out of ten, the storyline they come up with in place of the game ends up being shit. That, that's just the way it goes. I mean, look at your video game movies and you'll see exactly what I mean. Nine times out of ten, that's the case. Um, so I'm, I'm already relieved at this point um, of what's happening. So going forward, she decides not to, to burn the stuff. She decides to go to the island that her father went to where he, where he went missing to find out if he's there. So she has to go to Hong Kong and get a captain of a boat that ends up being connected to a a letter or email that she finds that transported her dad there. So that's why she goes to Hong Kong. Um, she is mugged by three goons along the way who try to steal her backpack. She chases them down, which, by the way, is a really good chase scene. Um, again, not in the video game, but adds a little bit of action and quickness to the uh, to the beginning to make things interesting and you know, still had an action sequence in there, which is fine. Um, what I found to be the most interesting aspect of this scene here, some people will say the scene was just put in there for an action sequence. I don't think that it is. It shows Lara's vulnerability, that she is still weak. And even though she puts up a little bit of a fight with one of the goons, she's still very vulnerable to... Um, the fighting, the violence, the action, and being in danger. Um, that's something the game did very well, and we're seeing that in this beginning already, which I thought was, was, which was good. We're seeing this. We're seeing her vulnerability. Um, so after the goons are run off by uh, Lou Ren in his drunken state with a shotgun, uh, this leaves Lara telling him about it, and as we go through... He agrees, and they decide to travel to the island. 
this is basically where the game begins when she goes on the boat and starts traveling towards the island. Um, the one thing the movie does differently here compared to the game is that it's only Lou Ren and Lara on the boat, whereas in the game we had Lara, uh, Lou Ren, a couple other people, especially the um, I don't really remember the, the young girl's name that was with Lara, but she's not there either. I thought that was an interesting decision by the filmmakers. I don't think it hurts the movie. It's just a slight, um, slightly different from the game, but it doesn't hurt it here. Uh, I think they did this because they wanted to focus more on Lara on the island and not include other characters other than Lou Ren. They wanted to keep the focus mainly on Lara, which I respect that because that's who this movie truly is about anyway. So this leads to the sequence I am so happy that they basically did shot for shot from the game. And that's when Laura and Lou Ren's boat is being hit by the water and getting ready to sink. This whole sequence is so well done. The special effects are fantastic. There is even shots that are verbatim, the same shots the way they are taken in the game. And I respect this Norwegian director for capturing shots that are exactly like the game. And he does this later on when Laura grabs onto the um, the airplane before going over the waterfall, the exact same way. I, I love that he did this. You can tell he went into this game and played the video game before he directed this film. You can tell that there was a sense of caring about getting this right. And I appreciate when a filmmaker does this, when they go into the video game or the source material and they either read it themselves or play it themselves to try to capture this in their movie without you know, changing everything based on their own imagination or mind. So this sequence is so well done, it's captured perfectly out of the game. Uh, this leads to Lara being in the water, Lou Ren disappears, and she gets knocked out on the beach of the island. This is where we kind of skip a little bit from the game, but I understand why they did that. There were sequences on the beach that, you know, she got into a cave and fell and this and that. The, the movie does this because it, it serves no story purpose other than you know, to showcase another action sequence or suspense. The games have this to add stuff to the game. The movie doesn't need this because it wants to move the story forward, so I understand that completely. So as Laura regains consciousness, uh, she wakes up to our villain here, Vogel, played by Walter Goggins. This is where we find out a little bit about Trinity, the organization Trinity, and how they're wanting to harness weaponize Himiko's power. They're trying to get into the tomb, and they can't get in there, and they're looking for it, and they can't find it. But Vogel finds Lara's journals and her papers she brought from her dad's place. That will lead him to where the tomb's location is. Lara eventually escapes and gets away, which leads her into the waterfall situation with the airplane, which, by the way, minds you, again, great special effects here. Captures the game perfectly. The part where Lara is inside the 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 plane and grabs the parachute and falls out and launches it out the shots are literally captured perfectly from the game if you'd play the game that sequence with the game side by side with the movie you would basically see the same shots I, I don't know what more you could want as a fan of the game than for a movie to do that this is exactly what video game movies should be all I got is a word for advice for all future filmmakers who do video game movies Take this movie right here as an example of what you should do with a video game movie. Okay? This is what you should be doing. I don't know what makes you think that going with a whole different story and diverting from the game is the right idea. I can't stress that enough. It needs to stop. 
watch this movie, watch what this director does, and you duplicate it. It's the right thing to do, plain and simple. I have I have a lot of passion for video game projects because I play, I'm a gamer. And when I see a video game turned into a shitty movie, I am very upset because the source material is directly in front of you. It's not hard to do. It's the same thing when they're making a movie based off a novel. The source material is there. Comic books, graphic novels, the source material is there. Why do you feel the need to change it? You say it's because you want to make the audience unpredictable and not know what's coming. That doesn't always work. You need to sometimes just stick with the source material and just change little things if you need to, not the big things. You keep the overall story. I just have to vent there because it really angers me after seeing so many video game movies butchered because they just can't do it right. Take an example from it. I mean, man, it's frustrating. So after she launches the parachute, um, she heads back. Uh, she's injured from landing on the parachute, lands on like a piece of wood or glass and takes out of her stomach. She ends up killing one of the Trinity guards that follows her into the jungle, which is the first time she kills somebody. You can tell that she's um, that she struggles with this because the first time she's had to protect herself really a lot on the island. Um, this is where we start to see Lara's toughness. We start to see she's getting a little tough, but she's still not really there yet, even though she gets the best of the Trinity soldier. So, as she looks into the woods, she sees somebody's watching her with long, bushy hair and a beard. She follows them, and it ends up being her father. He is alive. Now, Vogel does tell Lara that he had killed her father. I've read a lot of a lot of things online. A lot of people said the biggest plot hole in this movie is, is that you know Vogel says that he killed her killed her father, but yet he's alive. We never find out what happened there. You know, as far as like why did Vogel think he was dead? Did did uh, her father fall off a cliff and he thought she he thought he died or or what? We never get that. But my my opinion there is leave it to the imagination. It's not necessarily needed to be in the movie. But one line of dialogue could have solved that, I will agree. But I'm not going to make or break the movie based upon just that little that little thing. It's just not worth it. Um, so Lara and her father talk a little bit. The father's not as upset because Lara didn't burn the materials. And now because of what she did by coming to the island and not burning the stuff, Vogel will now be able to find the tomb. Here we find out a little bit more about Hamiko. That it, that, that's slightly different, again, from the game. But this is okay because it's still following the general story. We find out that if if she's unleashed from the tomb, it's going to launch total chaos on the world, and the father doesn't want that. So this eventually uh, leads us to she leaves, realizes she has to go after um, after Vogel. She grabs the bow and arrow like she does in the game, and she fires arrows and kills the enemy, which, again, out of the game, love it. Really, really love it. Um she heads back to the camp and she wants to recover the research back from Vogel so Lara makes contact with Lou Ren and he along with Fisherman uh, fight back that allows Lara to get back into the camp and recover the research um, unfortunately she sees that her father Richard comes there as well because he can't help himself and he's captured by Vogel at gunpoint and he forces Lara to open Hamiko's tomb. 
this this is probably my favorite sequence throughout the whole movie. This final act sequence, uh, where we go into Hamiko's uh, Hamiko's cave, where her tomb is. This whole cave sequence, because we get scenes of booby traps and a puzzle, which again this comes out of the game. We see Lara trying to solve a puzzle before the floor caves in with all of them there, and they fall to their deaths. That's kind of cool to be brought over from the game because we see her solving a puzzle like you have to solve puzzles within a game. So it adds a little nice little touch there, making you feel like, almost like when you're watching the movie, you want to, you know, tap the X button. You want to hit the A button. You want to, like, you feel like you want to be controlling her while you're watching this movie. And that, again, that makes you feel like you're you're watching a video game movie. I like that feeling. That That's a great feeling to have. So this, this, this goes through some great sequences until we reach Hamiko's tomb. And... This is where Himiko's whole thing diverts away from the game. Some people might be upset about this. And some people think that maybe I should be upset about this. I'm not. Because, again, this is still about Himiko like it is in the game. The only difference is there was a whole possession storyline in the first game with that, with the young girl that came on the boat. There, there was that. Where this time when they find Himiko's tomb we find out that she is not necessarily the the witch that they think that she is that she, you know to kill people with, with with touch it's more so that she is now a carrier of a deadly disease that is spread by touch it isn't that she was a witch it's that she was carrying a disease that would kill people so we find out she chose to be buried alive in order to save her people from death so Vogel's people get ready to lift the body out to be transported to Trinity. The problem is, one of the soldiers gets infected, and he kind of turns into a zombie-ish like thing. I don't want to necessarily use the word zombie. It's more so frantically losing their mind, and they get dangerously violent. So Vogel shoots him. When the other infected soldier goes down, he shoots the other soldier that's not infected, so they both... They both die. So, Vogel decides to take a piece of Hamiko's body, a finger, to transport to Trinity because he wants to get back to his family and Trinity won't let him do that until they bring him or bring them back something from Hamiko. Uh, this, this results in the one... Uh, the one henchman who got shot gets back up, attacks Lara's father, Richard, and he ends up becoming infected. Vogel gets away, and Lara sees her father dying from this. This, this whole thing here leads to... Um, I, it's still a question I kind of have, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but I'll, let me go forward with this first. Um, Richard decides to have a bomb in his hand, and he's going to destroy the body and destroy the tomb. So Lara goes after Vogel, they get into a huge fight, and Lara finally has gotten tough. Lara is tougher than what she was in the beginning. You see her character come a long way here, um, but she's still... She's still finding her way. She's still finding her toughness. We can we, we know by the time we get to the end of this movie that we get to the sequel, if we get a sequel to this movie, which I hope we do, that 
we're going to see her tougher throughout each movie until we'll probably get to the last movie, the third movie, where she'll be like the Lara we know from the original games. Um, so th this part only results in one little issue I have. and I can't get this question answered by anybody. But Lara pulls Himiko's bagged finger from the pocket in the plastic and shoves it down Vogel's throat. To, and then as he gets infected, she kicks him down the chasm as the infection takes over. Now, everybody says that, that the infection passes through touch. This might be me just, you know, just grasping at straws here, but she kicks Vogel in the face where the infection is with her, with her boot to kill him. I guess my question is, does the virus then get on her boot? So if she touches her boot, does she get infected? Uh, my buddy Jason told me that it probably would only be because that it's only transferred by touch through skin. Maybe not through, you know, touching like a boot or something, which makes sense. I, I get that. Um, maybe I just would have preferred maybe Vogel to fall over the edge to Lara kicking him instead of that. Then it wouldn't have created the whole question mark in my head. But whatever. It's just it's just me being probably picky or finicky, but that's fine. So Lara escapes. Uh, they get off the island due to a helicopter from Trinity. They force him at gunpoint to take them home. So Lara gets back to London. And she finally accepts her inheritance, but with a twist. She tells Anna that she can handle the day-to-day -day stuff and this and that. But as Lara is looking through the books and Anna walks away, she notices that Trinity's front company is actually owned by Croft Holdings. She finds this in the book that's handed to her by the power of attorney that this is all the companies that Croft Holdings has a thing in, and Trinity's front company is involved in it. So, as she proceeds to investigate Trinity further, and all of her father's files down his secret hideout basement underneath the mausoleum, she now suspects that Anna Miller is one of the agents who manipulated her into accepting the inheritance just to have Laura sign over control of the Croft Company's operations to her. So she was duped this whole time. That one of the main masterminds behind all this is is Anna, the person she, that she trusted. And now that she's witnessed what Trinity can do, she realizes that her job and her goals are no longer over and to carry on and take down Trinity. Which will lead us into our next movie that I hope we get. Uh, after we get a title screen saying Tomb Raider on the end of it, which we have the title screen at the end instead of at the beginning, we see Lara go into the pawn shop that she sold her necklace to uh, to get money to go, on, to go on the boat. And when she looks at a gun display, she buys two Heckler and Koch USP uh, mock guns, just like the ones that we see Lara carry in the games, the previous games, the first uh, games, and the one that Angelina Jolie played. And she holds up saying she'll take two. Movie ends. <coughs> the ending is perfect and I'll tell you why because first of all the Trinity storyline continues just like the game I like that it ends on that note leading into the next one and the fact that she grabs these guns just like she does in the game great callback to the original games but as seeing things are going forward she's getting tougher more ruthless and she's going to really want to take Trinity down so all in all I really enjoyed this movie I thought this is probably one of the best video game movies made, one that finally follows the game pretty much 
to the T, other than some of the things that they diverted away from, which I think are for good reason. Um, the action sequences are pretty well done. Uh, the CGI and special effects, I thought, were, were pretty good. Um, the movie, I believe, carries a budget somewhere south of 90 to $100 million. Um, a lot of that probably comes from hiring Alicia Vikander, because she probably is a higher-paid actress now since she won her Academy Award. But um, I'm just sitting here hoping that this movie makes money, or enough money to greenlight a sequel, because I want a sequel to this movie. Um, the movie kind of leaves you hanging on that note, so you know it's hard to watch this movie by itself and not want a sequel by the time you get to the end of it, because we're left with a very open-ended situation with Trinity. Um, so I'm, I, I'm, I don't know what this movie really has to make in order to at least break even or, or, or get ahead. Uh, I, it probably has to make somewhere around between 130 and 145 million to really consider it to be a success or at least make a profit. Uh, it'd be hard for the sequel going forward to be cheaper because between uh, Vic Ander coming back and you know the scale of the second game, it, it's going to be probably a more expensive movie. Maybe not as much, but a little bit. The movie as of right now, just internationally, it has taken in $54.6 million already, so that's a very good sign going forward. Um, so I'm crossing my fingers that this movie does make that amount of money, because Thursday's box office early screenings actually did better than they expected. So that's also a good sign, especially going up against Black Panther. Uh, that's still going strong at the uh, at the box office. So uh, let me first, by, by breaking down here, that Alicia Vikander plays Lara Croft so well. Um, I was very impressed by, by her performance. I I thought she was better than Angelina Jolie because I think that Alicia Vikander brings a sense of uh, being human, more human, where Angelina Jolie was just too badass for me and wasn't vulnerable enough. Uh, so she does an excellent job. I look forward to seeing her go forward playing Lara Croft. Um, I think she plays it so well. Uh, the rest of the cast here is also very good. Um, nobody, nobody else really stands out as much as she does. Um, Walter Goggins is playing his typical bad guy role. He's not doing anything over the top here or anything to stand out. Um, so that's pretty much how how that goes. The the rest of the movie, of course, you know, uh, works so well. The pacing is good here. The movie doesn't run too long. It doesn't feel like it's too long, um, which is which is really good. Uh, but all in all, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it did a lot of things right. Cinematography was good, capturing the game. And uh, going forward, I'm, I'm very excited for the sequel. So if I had to pick a rating for this right about now, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, I probably would go with the solid 8.5. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was very well done. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing where the series goes forward. I'm really hoping. So please get out and see this movie. If we need to make money, we need to see a sequel to this film. Because it's, it's, it's very very well done. If you're a fan of the video game, you're going to love the movie. Plain and simple. This movie is made for the fans of the game. Yes, I think wider audiences will like it, but more so the gamers. I know me and, my, me and my friend Jason, we played the game. We enjoyed it because we thought it was great that it followed the games, which we thought was key. And that's what we loved about it so much. So, uh, thank you for joining me on this. Um, I hope you enjoyed my al uh, analysis of Tomb Raider. And hope you will go see it. I really do think you will enjoy it. So, uh, okay. So going forward, any um, any announcements on Lights, Camera, Action Movie Podcast here? Um, Kabasik and I are working on what our next review is going to be, so we'll keep you updated on our Facebook page about what that's going to be. Um, and as far as uh, what's coming up, you know, we're looking forward to providing more movie reviews for you. 
if you could please go on our Facebook page to really please, um, I, we can't stress this enough, please request some things. We want to know what you want to hear. Uh, we really, really want to know what the audience really wants to hear us do. It could be older movies, something more current that's coming out. Please, just just um, request anything. We'd be more than happy to do it, and we'd love to do it. So uh, this is Mike Winkler, and I appreciate you listening to our Lights, Camera, Action movie podcast. And um, our next review should be with me and Jace Kabasik returning to do a review on something. So we're looking forward to that. So uh, thanks again, and uh, go out and check out Tomb Raider. You shouldn't have come here. <laughs> but I'm glad that you did. See the likeness, the recklessness. Close the tomb once and for all. The fate of humanity is now in your hands. Can't be too careful these days. The world has gone bloody mad. I'll take two.